your hour of Thrive Time be- 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 begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. I want to welcome those of you listening to this program for the very first time. You are in for a treat today. We've got a dynamic program that is going to give you the incentive to keep coming back and tuning into the broadcast. You know, as we are now in full swing of our third season, I want you to know that I continue to uh, feel so overjoyed and and, and so uh, appreciative of the commentary that continues to come in week after week. Every time we post a show, we have uh, ongoing feedback coming in from our listeners around the world, and I'm encouraged by that. I want you to know that putting quality content on the airwaves is my intent the minute I get up in the morning and as I consider week to week what kind of program I want to have for my listeners uh, to benefit from I give that serious thought you'll never ever hear fluff on this broadcast and I believe that formula is a winning formula uh, obvious and is evident by the amount of people that continue to listen to this program and today's going to be no different my friends today's going to be a day where you're going to walk away with actionable implementable commentary that will allow you to get to that next level people listen to this program from all walks of life uh, now that I've had a chance to uh, have over 150 episodes uh, in in the uh, in the can and and have a chance to having had a chance to speak with many of you I know that people listen to this show and they are coming to the program with something they want to walk away with because they're going through something. Uh, they're thinking about some things. There's some challenges. Maybe there's some questions. It's called life. We all have them. So they come to the show listening for a nugget that can help them in one area or another. Now, maybe one particular show may not bring that specific nugget that you're looking for or that 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 push that you need in order to get to the next level or to get past that hump that you're uh, that you're struggling with but it might be the very next broadcast but there's always a show that delivers something that you can walk away with and I know today that will be the same as our our featured speaker has a lot to say about overcoming adversity has a lot to say about getting past your history about eradicating your resume in order to reinvent yourself Shannon Rush not only is an author a tremendously sought-out-after keynote speaker on a corporate level, and rightly so. A Navy SEAL, one of the youngest Navy SEALs at age 21. He's the CEO of Silent Shadow USA, and he's got a compelling story that will motivate the pants out of you, but it would also help you understand that adversity and pain, it's temporary. And if you've got greater reasons to continue to push forward, you will find your way through the adversity. And a person like that uh, has a lot to say. His story is phenomenal. The experiences he's had as a Navy SEAL uh, in combat will, will encourage you to recognize any challenge, any obstacle, any adversity, any difficult time that you're going to experience is seasonal. And you'll get through it if you have a reason to fight through it. And boy, that's going to be a great conversation we're going to have as we bring him on shortly. But I want you to know that all of these episodes can be found at the jmamietalkshow.com. If you listen to, uh, if you log on to my site, the jmamietalkshow.com, you can go through the prior years of broadcast and go crazy binge hearing. You could also hear the show at C-Suite Radio. Hop on to csuiteradio.com and you'll be able to catch all of my prior broadcasts. There's a, an entire library of phenomenal episodes. They just keep getting better and better. And also stay connected with me on my platforms, on Instagram, on Facebook, the handle at the J Mamie, my Twitter at the J Mamie, on Facebook also at the J Mamie, and LinkedIn J Mamie. You could track me down there as well. I love staying connected. I love the questions. I love the feedback. It empowers me to continue doing something that I, at this point, am absolutely in love with. So if you love what you're hearing, share if you care, and let's get more of this content out to the rest of the world. I want to share with you today. In our now ever-increasing Thrive Talk section of the show, I would encourage you to consider a few things that I think will help you, and it'll set up our show. And that is how to avoid being miserable. (laughs) Now, you know, you hear a lot of talk about how to be happy, 10 ways to be happy. And listen, there is no shortage of ways to be happy. I get that. 
But I'm not going to talk about that now because I think there's plenty of stuff out there. I want to take it from the inverse. You know, my background in psychology, behavioral sciences, and as an author who's written 10 books on this stuff in one degree or another, it's it's okay to be reminded of the things in this case. We're talking about what brings you happiness, what brings you peace, what brings you joy, contentment. It's okay to be reminded of those things. But it's important to also recognize the things that you have to avoid in order to not let happiness elude you, not let joy elude you. There's things you want to do to produce that, but then there's things you don't want to do because by doing more of this nasty stuff or living in a way that uh, doesn't provide any nutritional living is going to help keep peace, happiness, clarity, joy further away. Does that make sense? So let me give you what I call the three R's of avoidance of happiness. The three R's to avoid being happy. Now, again, it's kind of funny. How to, nobody wants to avoid being happy, but you either don't do enough of the things that make you happy or you do too much of the things that make you miserable and thereby become a repellent <laughs> to happiness. And, you know, some of these things are sometimes right underneath your nose and I'm going to expose them in our Thrive Talk segment today. One of them is living with regret. Living with regret. Now, oftentimes we arrive at a place of living with regret because we've made decisions that didn't serve us. And those decisions that we've made either were spontaneous decisions, were decisions that were not measured decisions, were decisions that really weren't thought through. They were pretty much impulsive decisions, right? And how do we know? Because if you make a decision that is thought through, that you're counseled on that decision, and you really took your time, especially if it's a major decision, and you really took your time, well, then you're not going to really have a sense of regret because you knew what you were getting into before you got into it, right? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to be regretful about something that you planned ahead of time. Now, you might be discouraged and depressed temporarily because the results are not what you would want. We all go through that. That's a human emotion. But regret comes when you are so dissatisfied, you're so remorseful because of the decision or the ramification or or the ill-gained results that you regret ever making that decision. Well, when you live in regret, you will repel happiness. So how do you avoid living in regret? Well, you have to settle with the fact that you made a bad decision. You have to come to grips with the repercussions and move on. Let it go. Regret will only stay with you as long as you allow it to stay with you and rob you of peace, joy, clarity, uh, and forward progress. Regret will repel happiness. What's the next R? Resentment. If you are resenting someone, then you're going to find yourself in that ugly place of bitterness. Happiness will not come to visit your town, your block, your home, if you are holding on to resentment to another person. Hey, you know what I've learned? You could be resentful to your spouse. You could be resentful to your kid. You could be resentful to your employer. You could be resentful to your colleagues. You could be resentful to your clients. You could be resentful towards your customers. They're not buying enough. They should buy more. You could be resentful to people that you don't even know, politicians, <laughs> right? Yeah, the president. But if you are holding on to resentment, you resent something, you resent someone, you resent an activity, you resent an event, your life will be bitter because you are holding on to something that is not allowing you to get past the point of letting something go that is creating a cancerous situation in your spirit. Does that make sense? Resentment has to be relieved. Otherwise, you'll never find happiness. You'll repel it. Let me give you the last one. And I think this is the one that a lot of people struggle with. And they do it, struggle uh, with, in a very low-key, unaware way. And almost say a subconscious way. And that is being recluse. Recluse. What does recluse mean? When you recluse yourself from others, in other words, you tend to stay to yourself. You don't interact. 
You don't socialize. You, for whatever reason, maybe you are re resentful of those that you should be more involved with. Maybe at some point you regret not performing as well as you could have and uh, being looked at as less than in that group. Who knows? But people oftentimes will find themselves reclused from others for some hidden reason. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's just lack uh, uh, of uh, unhealthy comparison. Don't find yourself by yourself for too long because those who are not engaged in society, in social gatherings, uh, and the joy and interactions of others, getting around people that you like, like-minded people, if you are reclused for too long, you're going to miss out on the joy that you will find amidst the healthiness of the interactions of like-minded others. Regret, resentment, and being recluse will rob you and repel you from true joy, happiness, clarity, and contentment. I hope this segment brings to light some of the things that oftentimes you won't read in the books, my friends, because they are not sexy. They're not the top 10 ways to stay happy or how to manifest wealth. But boy, I'll tell you, if you recognize these three R's that will repel happiness and try like hell to keep them away from you, I think you will attract more of the good stuff in your life and you will thrive quicker, longer, and better. Folks, we're coming back after the break with Shannon Rutch. Stay tuned. The Jay Mamie Talk Show is just getting started. Hey there, Grow Getter. Are you a new or aspiring entrepreneur who is tired of all the different messages that you're getting about how to grow your business? Or maybe you are a seasoned entrepreneur who has been experiencing burnout and not really sure where to go right now with your business. Well, my name is Carolee Moore, and I am the co-host of the Be More Mindful podcast, where we help you to shift your mindset so you can transform your business. If you want to learn more, visit us at www.bemoremindful.com. That is B-M-O-O-R-E mindful.com. Hi, this is Jay Mamie. As a lifelong fitness enthusiast and professional bodybuilder, I know the importance of removing impurities and flushing out toxins to maintain a healthy colon and intestinal system. This is why I take and recommend Renew from First Fitness Nutrition. It also has helped me replenish my probiotics, which is necessary for a healthy gut. Learn more at healthyfriends.firstfitness.com. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Guys, we are looking right now to launch our next segment with one of the individuals who I've had a chance to, to meet about 10 years ago. And, man, you know, there's very few people that you meet that make an impact in your life right away. I mean, it, it takes time for someone to make an impact if they make any impact at all. But it's very rare that someone makes an impact almost immediately. And you just know when you hear their voice, when you meet them, that, man, this person's got something to offer the world, something that is going to bring value to my life. And, and that was Kevin Mullins for me when I met him 10 years ago. And we've had a chance now to collaborate on a few different things over the course of the last decade. And I am blessed to have this brother in my life. And, again, as I was putting together my list of guests for the show in the first 90 days of programming, I said, I need to get Brother Kevin Mullins on the show. And you'll see in a few minutes why. As I mentioned earlier, he's a famed preacher. He's a multiple author, global entrepreneur. He's an empowerment specialist. He's an actor, movie producer, the executive producer of the blockbuster movie Canal, Canal Street and, and restored me from a couple of years ago. And the guy certainly has a lot to say about facing failure in a positive way with his experience uh, over the last 30 years of his entrepreneurial existence uh, and ministry experience as well. So, Kevin, man, we love having you on the show, brother. Welcome to the show. Man, Jay, it is always a privilege, and I got to tell you, man, I appreciate the electricity and energy that always resonates from your voice. So I feel the same way about you, man. I am, I am ready. I'm geared up, and I'm ready to empower some people, brother. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we've got a, a massive listening audience today. So the first thing I think that is important is for for my audience and those who don't know Kevin Mullins to know a little bit about you, a little bit about your story. So can you share your story with us? Yeah, I'd love to, um, and I'm glad you asked that. It's, it's, sometimes I think when you spend a lifetime, uh, you know, honing your craft as it relates to speaking or mentoring or, you know, whether we're doing something in Hollywood or writing a new book or whatever it may be, you know, sometimes I think you, you get a little bit away from your story. And so I love an opportunity to talk about a little bit, you know, about Kevin Mullins and kind of who I am, where I come from. 
you know, if you saw me today, Jay, uh, wherever, whether it be in church or whether it be on a movie set or, you know, whether it be on a, a leadership symposium or a conference, I don't know that you would have, you know, uh, thought that, uh, <laughs> that the Kevin Mullins 30 or 40 years ago could be the one he is today. You know, I was raised in a pretty uh, conservative home, uh, uh, grew up, uh, I would say, very poor and I always want to make a, a, a suggestion or a statement that when I say poor or very conservative, I don't mean unhappy, man. I had an incredible mom and dad uh, that never stopped me from dreaming big. And But, you know, we didn't have anything, just lived in a little trailer home in, a, uh, in the panhandle of Florida. And I don't know that I didn't know that we didn't have anything. I always joke that, you know, my, my neighbor had an above-ground pool. When he was rich. <laughs> so. So, I, but, but I grew up in a home where my mom and dad encouraged uh, dreaming, uh, even though they might have been limited in theirs. They never, you know, was against me, you know, thinking big, although sometimes I think in my younger days it might have got me in trouble. But I share that with you because, um, you know, I had ideas of playing professional sports. I had a, some baseball scholarships and stuff, and I really thought kind of that was the direction I was going. But you know, I think sometimes life, man, or in my case, uh, I'm very spiritual in nature. I think God sometimes has a different plan for you, maybe a different map for you. And uh, some different things, some turn of events took place in my life, and uh, ultimately, I ended up getting married really, really early. Man, I was 19. My wife was 16. We Ooh. were celebrating uh, 30 years this year, actually, Jake. Congrats. So, uh, so that's a, that's probably a story of uh, you know failing forward in itself. But the reason I say that, you know, me being 19 and her 16 is, you know, I don't I don't think there's there's a handbook for that kind of marriage, and you know, it's just one of them things that uh, also I think you know throws a curveball in life and demands that you grow up pretty quick, start taking responsibility. Well. At a very early age, my dad was never necessarily a large business owner, uh, didn't come from any money, was a very gifted individual with his hands. And so my grandfather was a plumbing contractor. My dad was a plumbing contractor. I think it was in my DNA, man. I was, you know, I was destined to unstop toilets. And um, <laughs> I, I, I hated plumbing, Jay. I didn't like it. But also I was married, man. And, you know, I, and, and so I was, I, I was raised in the home of someone that understood that particular blue collar field. And so. I went into that field and became a, you know, a traditional small business owner. And uh, I also ended up pastoring full-time for about 18 years. So pastoring full-time, uh, eventually having three boys, uh, you know, being in the construction world. And then, you know, I'll tell this part of my story and then give it back to you and we'll proceed on with the call. And that is, you know, life has a way sometimes of demanding things out of you that you didn't know existed. And I always say that when you're facing hardship, and you look back over the dream that was deposited into your life, the vision that, you know, gets you up every single day and compels you to move forward. You know, I always say that God doesn't demand anything out of you that he didn't place in you. And so I knew that there was something bigger for me, Jay. I, I, but, but I come from such a small town. There's only about 1,400 people that live in the city that I, that I was raised my whole entire life in. And, you know, you either ended up working on a shrimp boat or oystering or working in construction. I mean, I never knew anybody that uh, you know, moved anywhere or did much of anything. So if you'd have told me that one day we'd be writing five books, just finished my fifth book, or that we would be, you know, building a, a global network marketing team and changing lives all over the world, I didn't know anybody that did that kind of stuff. So therefore, that dream was in me. I, I knew God had a global calling in my life. You know, I've always said for the spiritual people listening, you know, that the Bible says we're, you know, salt of the earth, not salt of Dallas, Texas, or salt of Tallahassee, Florida, salt mm. of the earth, light of the world. You know, so that that's a that's a global destiny. And yet I didn't know how that would happen. And so the one thing that I was very comfortable with was I was very skilled at what I did, very comfortable at what I did. Wasn't necessarily happy, but I was comfortable. But the 2006 and seven recession, brother, rocked my world, man. It threw my entire life into a state of, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it threw my life into a, a state of chaos. And, and I didn't really have an answer because what I was an expert at uh, and what I was good at was no longer, you know, paying the bills. And that really shut a door for me. And that's where I think sometimes, once again, uh, failure or mistakes are in so, so many cases, as we look at 2020, uh, sometimes when we look at struggle head on, we look at, you know, those valleys that we're going through, it seems very bleak, right? It seems, it seems like uh, life is uh, too overwhelming and frustrating to even see light at the end of the tunnel. But I believe it's in those moments that we learn new skills or that we're pushed into those, dis those areas of discomfort. And we know uh, that discomfort is the prerequisite to growth. And it was in that season of discomfort that I began to dial in to another portion of my life. And that was the ability to help people, to empower people, to build teams of people all over the world, and ultimately create financial freedom and empower others to do the exact same thing. And that leads us to this call today, Jay. I wouldn't be on this call if it wouldn't have been for many hardships along the way that ultimately became the catalyst to whatever success that I've encompassed up to this point. Yeah, that's just an amazing turnaround story. 
Uh, and we're going to dive into that. But you said something that was key. You said you when you back in 2007, 2008, when I'm sure you were probably blindsided like many were during that time. And what was working was no longer working. Uh, at that point, I'm sure that you had to make a strong pivot. But you relied on something that I'm sure you had already inside, only if your faith that, that you were destined to do something great. But, but by that time, you had acquired certain skills that you know you could you could tap those skills and reinvent yourself and pursue a new avenue of success. So that that almost seemingly experience of failure actually is what forced you to pivot to do something different. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's the case uh, for everyone, right? But the difference is how you handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like failure. You talked about failure. I mean, failure is inevitable, right? There's not a person on planet Earth that's not going to fail. We can spend an entire life trying to avoid risk, new opportunity, uh, you know, in, in embracing, extending our network or whatever, you know, whatever new may be to anybody that's listening to the call today. Uh, but how we handle failure is is ultimately the thing, you know, that I say qualifies or disqualifies you for some of the great opportunities that are awaiting you just on the other side of you know, what one may say is failure. So, you know, I've always looked at it once again, I think from a faith perspective, I've always looked at it from an entrepreneur's perspective. You know, I think we have to look at failure and, de- and, and, and determine what that means to us individually, right? I think for an entrepreneur, you know, failure is our greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. I, it, 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 you know, and I, and, and I think that the greatest success stories are people that really live their life with a no fear attitude towards failure. In other words, they understand failure is guaranteed, <laughs> mm-hmm. but so so is success. So, you know, I, I kind of always was a little bit resilient. I, You know, I talked about my mom and dad a little bit. I think some of that come from them, man, because I grew up in the home where you, you, no complaining was allowed, no whining was allowed. You know, I remember even a time when I got married very early, and it was it, you know, it would get very cold in Florida, but it was kind of a little cold winter in North Florida, and I didn't have no heat, man. You know, and I was embarrassed, and, you know, I come from a home life where you kind of, if you're hurting, you don't really reach out to help. It's, I don't know, it's a prideful thing. But I had a wife, you know, this changed the dynamics of the home. And so I went to my dad, you know, man, I'm laying it out on the mm-hmm. table and, you know, kind of just, you know, throwing a pity party. And pity party. my dad said, you know, how long are you going to cry about this before you do something about it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I quickly realized he was right, right? I mean, complaining has never changed the situation. So I always said that when you complain – you know, it proves that your faith is, is, is rooted in the world and not in the word. Uh, so internally, right, we all have this law that we live by, right, that internal dialogue, that belief system, one may call it. And for me, man, I think part of mine is was just that, uh, you know, unusual determination, a little bit of stubbornness that I think is necessary, at least in the pursuit of anything that is great. So when that failure hit me, you know, it, you know life uh, was, was so, uh, I think, disrupted. You used the word pivot. I knew I had to pivot. And I think that's where adaptability comes in, Jay, because I think adaptability for anybody that is pursuing their God dream or anybody that's an entrepreneur or a business person, you look at so many businesses that are closing down today, the ones that are successful are the ones that understand clearly that adaptability is our competitive advantage. And that, I think, is rooted in previous failures. Mm. Because to me, failure, uh, uh, you know, to me, failure is just discovery. I I really, you know, I I don't want to say failure doesn't exist because I think that overstates the obvious. And there's obviously so many books written on the idea of failure. But I think when you can view failure through the perspective of discovery, I think then you can look at it as an incredible teacher to give you the proper insight into moving forward. And, and, and with that no fear attitude, recognizing that what I'm doing is cutting edge, what I'm doing is innovative, what I'm doing is outside of my comfort zone. So I know that there is a large uh, you know, percentage that says I, I'm, I may fail at this. I, I, I may fall on my face, but instead of looking at it as a mark against my creativity or as a as a mark against my ability to succeed, I look at it as, once again maybe as a redirect or as the ability to pivot and say this didn't work. So what can I better do in order to serve my purpose, serve my destiny? And I think as as I turn this back to you. I think that's what failure ultimately ends up becoming is failure also equals opportunity, Jay. Failure equals opportunity. And the opportunity is the opportunity to learn something I didn't previously know. The opportunity to figure out new resolution for a situation that I'm now confronted with that may be overwhelming and frustrating and defeating me in this current moment. But it also is an incredible opportunity to find a different way to get something done. So when we go back and read the story, 
of a Steve Jobs or a Walt Disney or uh, an Oprah Winfrey, you know, or a, a Richard Branson. There seems to be a pattern, right? I've always said when you study the patterns or the habits of successful people, especially billionaires, there seems to be this glaring pattern that's interwoven in the fabric of their very being. And I think that's that ambitious tenacity, resilience, maybe the better word is perseverance, to understand that failure is discovery, failure is teacher, failure ultimately is also opportunity, and that opportunity presents itself in such a way to become the person that is necessary in order for you to truly walk in your kingdom assignment. Hey, Kevin, man, I tell you what, I can end the show right now, and it's been a good show. (laughs) I mean, you know, sometimes you can hear a person talk whether it's a conference, an event, and they can go on for an hour and hours and hours. And I'm sure you've been at many of those conferences and meetings and you walk away asking yourself, now, I'm probably not going to get my time back. So why did I sit through this? I know I've been to those type of meetings. And then sometimes within five minutes, you can get as much power as if you were sitting and listening to something for five weeks, brother, and you just gave that to us right now. When we come back after the break, Kevin, I want to ask you, in your experience, because not only are you are uh, an author and a producer and all of these wonderful things you do in the entertainment world and the value add world, but you're a builder of people. So in your experience in building people and dealing with people of all walks of life, so many years, I want you to ask, uh, I want to, I want you to help us answer the question. Why do you find that people embrace failure as a dead end? Why do people embrace failure as a dead end? When we come back after the break, that's my first question for you. Is that fair? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right, brother. We'll be back after the break guys. Are you a busy founder or C-suite executive looking to optimize your productivity and leadership abilities? Your deep sleep could be the key. By improving your body's internal machinery without relying on coffee or sleeping pills, you can access new levels of performance, flow, and well-being. As a result, more free time with loved ones, you becoming a more effective leader, improve longevity, minimize disease risk, maximizing your impact in the world around you, and so much more. Check out thesleepconsultant.com today to learn more. Business owners, are you using QuickBooks for your credit card transactions and payroll? What if I told you there was an easier, more efficient way and that you may find tax advantages for your business? This may be for you. If so, reach out to my good friend and former guest, Alan Fivash from Heartland. If you haven't had analysis in the past 18 to 24 months on your credit card processing payroll, now's the time. Reach out to Alan Fivash from Heartland at 972-989. 972-989-1316. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We are talking with Kevin Mullins. Kevin, in your experience, as we left off in our last segment, working with so many folks from so many for so many reasons over so many years, folks from all different walks of life with all different intentions and motivations. Why do you find, though, that people are so quick to embrace failure as a dead end? That's a great question. You know, I've had the ability, especially uh, uh, once again in the network marketing industry, I've got a team that's probably, you know, 50 or 60,000 people. And it's amazing to mm. me because, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're dealing with people um, in the season of life that they're in. And yet when people embark upon any kind of new opportunity, whether it's setting goals at the beginning of the year or it's a business adventure or now so many people obviously looking for a way to offset loss of income or replace it. You know, I think the, the number one thing, right, man, is, is this thing we call fear and it's fear, fear of, uh, of rejection, fear of failure. So I think the idea of failure as it relates to people comes from uh, either learned experience or learned behaviors and then some of their personal ones. What I mean by learned behaviors is, you know, we, we depending on the type of home that you're raised in, so many people are raised in a home where, uh, you know, when you fail at something, it's considered bad or it's uh, it's considered, you know, punishable. And I think if you're raised in an environment, you know, you think about school, uh, we're such a checks, you know, like A's and F's type of system that we live in, especially here in America, that, you know, if you're that D student or that C student, you know, think about how many entrepreneurs you knew that made all D's or C's or failed out of high school, much less college. And you read about that over and over and over. And there's this like systematic, you know, sort of program out there that, you begin to learn that, 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 that it's painful to experience what one might call failure, right? Whether that's rejection, whether that's a failed business, whether it's failed marriages, relationships, whatever that may look like for the individual. And so I think for people, ultimately, it starts once again internal. It's getting a person to reflect and look back on, you know, why in the worst and so afraid to, like, you know, go for something. What, what makes one person, you know, face 
you know, those lions, you know, in the room head on and another person, man, are, are, are cowarding down from facing those Goliaths that are necessary, uh, necessary and also, you know, you know, running an empire. And I think it starts probably somewhere down the road in our childhood where, you know, maybe it was frowned upon to do something and to not do it very good. And little by little, you just begin to remove uh, anything in your life that you don't feel skilled at or qualified or feel like your chances of succeeding are very high. Yet we know that the people that really make a difference in the world are disruptors. They're, uh, you know, they're very progressive and so innovative and controversial that what they do almost seems, you know, banned or outlawed or crazy until it ultimately becomes, you know, uh, you know, an incredible wealth producing machine that we all fall in love with. But at the time might have been completely out of the ordinary. So I, I think in order to move from ordinary to extraordinary, right, we have to learn how to view failure under a new lens. And my entire job when I sit down with teams of people, whether it's a, you know, a mastermind group with a, a select group of people that are fully committed or whether I'm in an audience of, you know, 10,000 people, I want to I I reach down into the heart of an individual and to make them fall back in love again with that dream, right? I call it a God dream, that thing that you can't surrender, that thing that is uh, uh, inevitable, that thing that is irrevocable in your life wakes you up. You know, it's, it's, it's prodding you on a continual basis to get out of your comfort zone, go for something, and reconnect people with that so that once again, they'll look at the circumstances standing in front of them and begin to identify that the thing that they fear is also the path in order to obtaining the thing that they say they want the worst in life. And so I think we all deal with failure. We all deal with that fear of failure. I think it's, it's about, once again, reprogramming the mind to understand that if you dwell on the adverse, right, if you dwell on the negative aspect of failure long enough, you're never going to get around to doing anything positive in life. Mm-hmm. But if you can sort of reprogram that, 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 that switch in your mind, right, that word pivot that you used, and just simply review it from a necessary tool in the pursuit of success, or like I said, look at it as discovery instead of failure, what you may look at is once again the, the most incredible path to accomplishing anything meaningful and not just successful because that word is overused, but also significant. In order to be significant in life where your life serves as the reference point or the standard in which others can look to and say, because Jay did it, so can I, hmm. it's, it's that relatable vulnerability, transparency, authenticity to say I too am failing on a consistent basis. The only difference is I understand that in order for me to become the person that I'm called to be, failure is not the opposite of success. It's merely a part of success. You know, Kevin, you said something real key there. I mean, a a, a number of things you said that were so key um, that I I really hope our listeners are taking good notes. And you're you're famous for saying that uh, note takers are money makers. (laughs) Well, I want to add to that, that uh, note takers are action takers and action takers are impact makers. So I think that's sort of a a bridge between what you say and what I say. But at the end of the day, man, it is the actual truth, brother. Now, from your personal experience, from your personal experience, I'd like for you to share, because it's one thing to to speak panoramically, right, in in very general terms. But I know that I can point out to my own uh, personal experiences of failure and what that has specifically taught me about success. Now, I know failure and success, oftentimes, that's an oxymoron, and people think that failure and success shouldn't live on the same street. But failure and success are neighbors, if you know how to shake hands. So... What has a personal failure of yours taught you about what Kevin needs to do to be successful? Um, you know, I, I think maybe the way I'll approach this question, Jay, and it's a great question, is my journey is that failure is, is I think, necessary also in keeping us very humble. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because I think sometimes, and I've had moments, right, where you, 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 you're ascending. I mean, everything seems to be clicking, and we know that, that, that there has to be a pruning in order for the tree to really be a productive fruit-bearing tree. It's in that season that we, no one wants to talk about pruning. No one wants to really talk about adversity being a good thing. I mean, we're trying to avoid hardship in the spiritual world. You know, I often say that a lot of people spend a, a, a bulk of their prayer time asking God to remove the hardship in their life, and yet God is trying to use the hardship to, 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 hope, to, to help you become the person that is necessary for you to handle the weight of the success, the weight of the money, the weight of the accolades or the rewards or the benefits that, that, you know, that, that I think God is wanting to bring you. But if you can't handle, you know, I always say, if you can't handle a thousand dollars, a million dollars would crush you. So it's also about learning those, those, those seasons of growth and with growth comes pain. So for me, I think it's, 
it's it's failure and in, 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 in remaining humble, meaning that when you're on that mountaintop, none of those experiences last forever. And so, you, you know, it's become it's become very clear to me that how I handle the lows also determines how I handle the highs. And to me, that's humility. Hmm. You know, we love comeback stories in America. But I think one of the reasons we do is because secretly, even though we may not be the person on stage winning the Grammy or the Oscar or the person that overcome an addiction or, you know, a, a, a complete meltdown, we're, we're, we love when people repent of that publicly or when people admit that there's those faults and failures, we resonate with that. That's why storytelling is the language of wealthy people, because when we can connect, you know, our, our vulnerable seasons with people, we become more believable. We become more trusted because it's in those moments we realize that the person that we're following, the person that we're collaborating and connecting with, that their heart beats a lot like ours does. Yeah, they may be on a different level because they've learned to discipline their emotions. They've learned to adapt very well, but it was in those low moments that it also continually kept them very humble. And for me, that humility is understanding that the success seasons of life, those those pair out moments where you're, you know, on top of the summit that, you know, I always say that if the valley is the gateway to the mountaintop experience, no one can live on the mountaintop, Jay, because the air is very thin up there. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you, you can live up there. Yeah, you'd pass out, but it's an incredible view. It's an incredible, you know, pinnacle in your life where you've obtained a certain uh, visual, uh, you know, uh, in other words, visualization of your future that you can't see in the valley. But at the same time, you've got to leave that valley and go right back down through, a, I mean, that mountain right back down through another valley in order to get to a higher mountain. And so I just want to remind the listeners that as you're pursuing whatever success is to you in life, um, that, that, that to me, I think the greatest thing for Kevin Mullins is just, you know, learning to be humble in the process. And also, I think, to be very patient with other people, because it's easy if you're on you know, stage, you know, you know, if you're, you know, you're on level eight in your life and the person that you're mentoring is on level two or three, they just haven't quite reached your level of, of, of maturity yet in handling crisis. So I think it's also learning a little bit of patience. And when we look, you know, even at the world today, you know, uh, because I'm in, in and out of a lot of church environments, you know, think about most churches until recently with, with, with some situations haven't really had church in physically right with, you know, a thousand people or 10,000 people in their audience since say January, early February. Now this is more spiritual Jay, but it's almost like even God is saying, I don't need your church, you know, to grow, to grow my mm-hmm. group, to grow my tribe. In other words, it's not that pastors are not humble, but it's easy sometimes to get called up and having 2000 people come here. You speak on a Sunday morning to think maybe that's something that you've built. Right. And so I think, I think in moments like this, you know, it takes you down to square one and it says, Hey, the other thing that failure does is it reminds me to never stop growing, to never stop reaching, because whatever I think my best is, it would be very advantageous for me to remember that God has not did his best in my past. You know, you said somewhere what I was going to share with you about my experience. I know that for me, one person said be patient because success will come, but sometimes success requires you to be patient. As you said, it's got to come in at the right season. And boy, failure has taught me in a number of times, in a number of different situations, hit the pause button, take some time, think it over, be patient, acquire wisdom, get around some people that's, that, that can pour uh, additional resources into your dream, into your ambition, into your goal, because without that, you're going to fail. And boy, uh, listening to that advice, had I listened to it, I'm sure I would have avoided and absolved myself of that painful moment. But it's taught me patience. Kevin, the future holds a lot for you. I know that. Um, you're not someone that is ever going to sit still. You mentioned earlier you've got a book out. So in our last few uh, moments together, what, what does the future hold for Kevin, and, and what's this new book about as well? Yeah, so my, my newest book is a, a book called As It Is in Heaven. So it comes from the Lord's Prayer, right, on earth uh, as it is in heaven. And it really is just a, a, a biblical almost mandate to uh, compel uh, others to recognize that here on earth we have an undeniable uh, obligation to be caretakers of not just earth but humanity, meaning that there's some responsibilities that we must attest to that we're going to have to give an account for. And that's, you know, obviously loving others. That's also making sure that we manage and multiply the talents and gifts that God has deposited into each and every one of our lives so that we become the type of people that upgrade every atmosphere that we enter, that because we were there it was better. So, you know, when you say, what is the future for Kevin? Everything to me, man, really is about helping people discover and, and to develop everything that God has deposited in their life. I think our greatest asset we have here in America that we have in the world 
is, you know, sitting somewhere in a school or possibly at a homeless shelter. Our greatest asset is people. It's also where the greatest ideas often uh, go undeveloped because one, fear uh, to execute the, the strategies that God gives us, or two, people dying with life-altering, world-changing ideas that they were too fearful to ever share or to bring to life. I want to make sure that I collaborate with people like you, Jason, that we continue to make sure that we spread the airways with the most positive and uplifting messages so, 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 so that somewhere in life, another person, right, that ill destiny inside of you will hear the scream from another eagle and say, wait a minute, my tribe is out there calling for me from another dimension to rise up higher, embrace my destiny assignment on earth as an agent of change, and to make sure I leave this world in a better place than I found it. Well, brother, that right there wraps up our segment, and I'm going to share with you something, man. I believe in, and you could take this as a prophetic word, brother. You can take it if you'd like to do that, but I, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm declaring that you and I met 10 years ago for a greater purpose that has, that's yet to be seen. But boy, we are on our way to, to do something big together that's going to leave a, a major footprint on the world and uh, have a major impact on the lives of, of millions to come, not only in this generation and the next. And I think that is obvious with you and I meeting the way we've met, the work that we've done together so far. And this is just another testimony, another indicative point of what's yet to come. So I appreciate you being on the show, brother. And uh, when you are in Dallas, look me up. We'll go out. We'll grab some time together. And we're definitely going to have you back on the show in the future. But this time, we'll do it live in studio. Fair enough? Thank, thank you, Jay. God bless you, buddy. God bless you too, brother. Take care. One of your most important assets as a business owner is your intellectual property or IP, including trademarks and patents. This sounds fancy, but it just means protecting any name or logo your company uses, how your products are built, how they work, or how they look. Rosenthal IP Law is here to walk you through the process every step of the way. We take the time to understand your business, and we'll work with you to protect what's important to you and your business. Visit us at Rosenthal.law. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Excited about our final segment here as we're continuing this conversation about enemies of the inner state affecting your health and how that can prevent you from thriving in 2023. And with me in studio today, I love having guests come to the studio. You know, sometimes these folks, they, they live so far, they can't come here, but you live right here in Frisco. So it's, a, it's, it's awesome to have you in studio today. But we have the president and co-founder of First Fitness Nutrition, Nigel Branson, who's been on a guest uh, as a guest on the show before. And he's always brought so much value that people comment right away. We need to hear more from him. And what's not to like about someone that brings knowledge about how we can thrive in our health. And today, that's what we're going to have a chance to chat about. But before we dive into what we're going to discuss about good gut health and colon health, um, which falls right in theme with enemies of the inner state, Nigel, I'd like for you to share with our listeners a little bit about you, your story, and the successes of uh, First Fitness Nutrition. Well, thanks a lot for having me on here, Jay. I'm very excited to, to share some very uh, important information on how taking care of your gut will take care of your health. Talking a little bit about how First Fitness Nutrition has been able to enjoy 33 years of success goes back before First Fitness Nutrition actually got started because my partner is a guy by the name of Lee Kazi, and he mm -hmm. was the a weight loss and wellness pioneer starting back in the 1960s. He was a competitive bodybuilder. That led him to be one of the pioneers in uh, franchising the first uh, chain of health spas, which then led him to creating the world's first diet meal replacement shake. So he had a company in the 1970s, went from a million dollars in its first year to over $300 million in its third year. Wow. So he, he enjoyed tremendous success with that. But in the mid-1980s, he contracted a disease. And from taking all the antibiotics, he gained over 92 pounds in just under six months. And he had been a competitive bodybuilder. He knew about losing weight, yet he struggled himself to lose the weight. And so he was in a, a health food store and he found a book called Rational Fasting that was written in the early 1900s. And in that book, 
was one of the most significant discoveries, I believe, um, he made in um, achieving optimal health and wellness. And that was in order for your body to absorb the nutrients in the, from the foods that we eat, you have to have a cleansed inner body and colon. Mm-hmm. And so he started formulating using all natural herbal ingredients, his own formula of what is now called Renew. That's our flagship product. But it was initially a in a powder form. And he started using his own formula of this colon cleanse and lost the weight and regained his health. And that's what led him to invite me to help him start um, his mission to help change people's lives. And that's how First Fitness Nutrition was founded in 1989. Now, the significance of that is that I was 26 years old (laughs) and I got excited about selling a product that was in the colon cleansing. I used to tell people, I have the number one product in the number two business. (laughs) Now, now you said to me, you know, why is it that, uh, that we've had the success? I'll tell you why. Back in 1989, it was very unpopular to talk about cleansing and detoxification. Mm -hmm. You would very seldom hear people talking about it because it was just something that wasn't mainstream America. Mm -hmm. Today, I think the vast majority of people who are somewhat health conscious know that the key to optimal health is to cleanse and detox. And we've been uh, in the forefront of that market now for 33 years. Yeah, and the success is obvious because the company, not only is it still the flagship product, right? But so many people for years and years and years and years continue to buy the product every single month. But it falls in line with our prior guest. We had uh, Stephen Gundry right right before you when we were speaking about gut health and leaky gut and uh, and the toxicity that can occur when you are not taking care of that part of your inner health. So why is inner cleansing, uh, getting rid of these radicals, these, these antioxidants uh, uh, that can pile up in our body, create toxicity, and also colon cleansing. Why is that so important? Well, because your colon health impacts your overall health. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's the air we breathe, uh, the toxins that we are taking in, the foods with all the processed chemicals that they have in them, this builds up in your system over time mm-hmm. and um, allows and does not allow people uh, to have bowel regularity. And if you don't have bowel regularity, um, you're going to have a problem. Uh, The average person is carrying seven to 25 pounds of excess fecal matter. Mm. So, you know, when you, when you think about that, you know, or you hear people saying, well, I only go to the restroom once every two days or every three days. I mean, think how problematic that is. So that means if someone's eating two to three meals a day, they literally could be six, eight, 10 meals backed up before they're having any movement. Well, if you can imagine all that food coming into your system, not being released, you're going to have toxic buildup. And then right. you add to it uh, poor diet, stress, um, dehydration, lack of exercise, mm-hmm. you're destined for uh, some challenges. Not, not only that, most people that carry that too much uh, too much of the bad stuff in them, right, <laughs> who are walking around with a little bit more than they should, that drags your energy. I mean, if, if your body is weighted down because not only it's you're heavier, but you've got this toxicity building up, that's going to affect your ability to have enough energy and vitality to get whatever you're doing, whether it's work, whether it's at the gym. For me, it's at the gym um, to have any level of performance, right? Yeah, if you're not, if you're not consistently regular uh, with your eliminations, you're going to have that feeling of being bloated. Mm-hmm. You're going to be constipated. You're going to have uh, a lack of energy. You're going to feel bogged down. So, you know, some people say to me, well, you know, how long have you been using the product? I've been using Renew twice a day for 33 years. And people say, well, isn't that somewhat habit forming? No, it's not habit forming. When you get to feeling good, why would you want to go back to feeling bad? I don't believe that we living in the culture that we live in, especially here in America with all the processed and fast foods can eat enough of the right foods to get the right amount of fiber and nutrients to create a natural elimination process. And nat- going to the uh, to the bathroom once a day is not mm-hmm. regular. Mm-hmm. That's just normal for us. But bowel regularity is maybe two, three times a day, which a lot of people don't get. Wow, I didn't know that. Two, three times a day. Well, wow. you know, I always... I'm falling short by one. <laughs> yeah. No, well, you know, I always, I always make reference to if you if you take a cow, for example, every mm-hmm. time it eats, it's eliminating, right? right? Well, they're not having the processed foods. They're not having That's right. That's all true. the chemicals. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a bad diet that we have. It's the Western diet. 
So why do you think, you know, you, you've been around for a long time. This, this product's been around for a long time. The education that you provide has been around for a long time. But why is it that people today still are not any smarter, more informed about this? this I mean, this is your body we're talking about here. Well, because for the vast majority of people that live in America, uh, they get their nutritional background at McDonald's, Burger King, Pizza Hut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you think about the battle to lose weight and how hard it is, we are programmed from social media, advertisements, with all these messages uh, of attractive visuals of bad foods. And um, so people are, they're not, um, health and nutrition is not in the forefront Mm -hmm. of what sells, if you think about it, because to live a clean and healthy life means you've got to give up. Well, none of these fast food giants and, you know, uh, prepackaged meal giants want us to give up the bad. So they're going to do more to attract us to buy the bad and there's going to be less uh, people wanting to do the good. You know, it, it, I'm so happy you said that. And I'm glad that I I programmed the show with a theme. I always program shows with a theme that aligns themselves with each of the speaker's expertise. And you just said something key when I asked you about the why is there a lack of education. Stephen Gundry said because bad health is big business. Yep. Bad health is big business. That's why the food manufacturers aren't going to label these products the way they should be labeled. And that's why everything is hidden in code word. Uh, the FDA approves it, but it's all code words because there's big business in bad health. Yeah, I agree. So where could people learn more about what First Fitness is doing? I mean, obviously, you've been around for a very long time, very successful company. You're here in Frisco. Uh, but where could they go to learn more about Renew, the company, and everything else you guys offer? By the way, guys, I am a taker of Renew. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have uh, Nigel and First Fitness sponsor me in my previous bodybuilding show. We spoke about that early in the beginning of the program. And I, I wouldn't have done that unless I believe in the products myself. I mean, that's just the way that I am. I have to be authentic and genuine. And uh, from Renew to the collagen to the CBD to uh, to uh, Zavita. And, I mean, and the aloe drink, it's just fantastic. Rejuvacel, Rejuvacel, something else we should be talking about. Um, all of these fantastic products has helped me. Most people don't believe that I'm 53 years old. Yeah, well, I mean, most people at 53 years old aren't winning uh, nation, <laughs> national bodybuilding competitions either. So, But here again, it goes to your commitment, Jay. Mm-hmm. But uh, to answer your question, where can people learn more about uh, First Fitness Nutrition and where can they learn more about Renew and our other line of awesome products? Um, we set up a special website Great. Uh, for you. Wonderful. So everyone knows you're on the Jay Mamie show. So Great. we put a website in your uh, wife's name uh, to create a little bit of distance between the radio talk show and uh, and people wanting information about Renew and First Fitness Nutrition. So they can go to Mrs. Mamie. That's M-R-S-M-A-Y-M-I dot firstfitness.com. I love to get it. Any information they want. I appreciate that. I, that was very kind of you to do that. I appreciate that. Folks, it's awesome having great people do great things for others, and certainly First Fitness Nutrition. And my good friend here, Nigel Branson, has been doing that for quite a long time. Check them out. It's worthwhile. I can tell you that you will feel very different if you just take what they are recommending for your health, but you have to go see it for yourself. Nigel, thanks for being back on the show. Thank you. And, you know, just uh, re- remember this. Any, any one of our products you buy comes with a 100% 30-day unconditional money-back guarantee. Excellent. Guys, that wraps up a fantastic episode today. Enemies of the inner state. You cannot thrive if you're dealing with head trash. That's an enemy. You cannot thrive if you're dealing with emotional enemy. That'll help, that'll hinder you. But your health, and today speaking about gut health, certainly was one of the topics that needed to be spoken about. Not a sexy topic, but a topic that will certainly allow you to understand the things you need to do for yourself so that you can thrive in 2023. We appreciate you. Come back next week for more Thrive Time. Until then, keep thriving. 